Welcome to our Saturday simulcast. We have the whole band together. It's been a while since we've all done this together. We've kind of done separate segments from time to time, but it's good to have Brian and Tom with me. And uh, I want to thank the Union Club Hotel, the 11 Bistro, and the Boiler Up Bar. They've uh, busy with all the graduation last week. And then, and of course, uh, senior week, it's still hopping a little bit on campus. It slowed down a little bit of late, but not uh, not uh, uh, not at the Union Club Hotel. They're always going at it hard. So, all right, guys, uh, we are, uh, who knows, by the time this the listen to this, it may have already been decided or whatever. But I'll start with you, Brian. I'm Zach Eady. Obviously, we kind of, I don't know if we've beaten the story to death, but it's there's been a lot of speculation. But of what's going on, but uh, just your thoughts on, uh, you wrote this week about where Purdue might be with without him. Uh, I think there's a general feeling that he's coming back, but uh, what say you on that uh, situation at this point? Well, I, I don't think you can ever beat a story to death when it's the best player in college basketball, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe or maybe not coming back to your team. Um, it's a very different time, obviously. You know, five years ago, there's no way a player like Zach Eady, who is has has reached the pinnacle individually of his sport, would ever, you know, probably come back to college. Uh now with athletes having the ability to earn off their uh off their accomplishments and such, uh, it's a very different time. And mm-hmm. it's changing college basketball. It's making college basketball older. And this might be Purdue's opportunity to benefit here. This this isn't just a money decision, but money is always going to be, you know, first and foremost among these things. The point of the NBA process is to give them a chance to make your decision for you by telling you, look, we love you. We're taking you. You're going to be a first round pick. That's going to come with a three-year guaranteed contract. That's going to, if you come out now, that gets you to your next contract a year earlier than going back to college. Uh, that gets you in the retirement program a year earlier. Uh, it's just there's just so many reasons to go if you're secure in your position. Um, I just think that Edie, though, uh, it, you know, as we've talked about ad nauseum, if this is 1985, you know, uh, mm-hmm. he's the number one pick in the draft. If this is 1995, you know, he's a top 10 pick. If this is 2005, you know, he might be a, uh, uh, he might be a first round pick, but this is 2023 and the the game at all levels has changed. Players like him are, are, uh, you know, have been sort of uh, relegated to the, to the background uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, I just don't know if he's going to get enough certainty from the NBA people that, it would make sense for him to go now. That doesn't mean he can't play in the NBA. If you're good enough, they're going to find a place for you. That's that's one of the things people overlook in all of all all of this analysis is they come in all shapes and sizes in the NBA. You can watch these playoff games tonight and see guys who, you know, Bruce Brown is like a six four, five position power forward type, and I don't think anybody would have looked at him coming out of um, coming out of Miami as like, okay, this guy's the prototype. This guy is modern basketball, you know, stuff like that. Um, so they do come in all shapes and sizes. I do think, you know, somebody would have to be really committed to developing a player like him. And as I said in what I wrote today, it's it's the NBA people should not look at him for his age. 
and they shouldn't dock him if he comes back a year. Uh, they should look at him at his the stage of his development. He's been playing, playing basketball like six years, um, six, seven years, what, whatever it is. So he might be a 21-year-old right now, but he might as well be like an 18-year-old from a basketball experience perspective. I just think that uh, it just makes so much sense for him to come back. It will make so much sense for him to come back, but we don't know what he's going to hear from the NBA, and it, it is premature. You know, I don't know what he's going to do. My suspicion from day one has been that he would come back. That's been my prediction. But I don't know. He doesn't know. It's up to the NBA. If they just tell him, hey, we absolutely love you. Uh, we think you're a top 20 pick, a top 30 pick at least, or somebody who's absolutely going to get guaranteed contract. Um, he should go. Uh, if not, he should come back. I, I, I do think that this isn't just a case where NIL opportunities in college could uh, compare to what he'd make in the NBA or in, in the G League overseas, whatever whatever path he would have to take. Uh, I think they could even exceed it on on, on a right. on a per year basis. Now you start getting into stuff like like benefits and you know the retirement program and quality of life and developmental opportunities and what gives you the best chance to stick in the league um but you're kind of getting pretty far down the road with some of that stuff the 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 short-term issue is what do you want to do what would be the most enjoyable for you what would help your basketball development the most and how much money would you make and i i just think when you look at those three things you know, the option to come back to Purdue uh, stacks up pretty well. And this isn't a case where, you know, I think we all kind of come to a point where we're sort of done with school. Uh, and we just, you know, we, we just don't want any part of it anymore. But I do think he generally likes his teammates. I think he likes his team. I think he's pissed off from the way the season ended. And I know that makes for a cute story and something people say sometimes when at the end of the day, this is business. But I do generally think part of him, you know, would be motivated to come back to Purdue to try to set some things right in that regard. Yeah, so I, mean, look, I don't know yeah. what he's going to do, but uh, that's been my guess for for quite some time that he would come back. Uh, but we will see. I don't anticipate a decision uh, anytime in the next couple of days. I think he'll he'll kind of take his time with this, as he should. Uh, it's all point. Yeah, there may be some other information to have. I know that Matt Painter on Field of 68 on Thursday didn't, you know, Jeff Goodman came out and said, well, I think, you know, he's leaning towards coming back. Matt didn't say anything in particular because, again, well, I, you don't, yeah. I think everyone's know. guessing. I don't think anybody yeah. can put, I, I don't no. think, I and think it's up, to the, it, it, it's up to the NBA. It's up to the, it's up to the, it's up to the people who, again, the whole point of the process to, to give them as much time as possible to make your decision for you. Right. And that has not happened yet. And uh, that won't happen for some time. I think people are just looking at everything I just said and saying, well, I think he probably comes back because everything I just said is valid and makes sense. And as opposed to most of the things that come out of my mouth, which don't make any sense. Um, I think I just kind of kind of let I think I just kind of laid things out pretty um pretty succinctly for what this is all going to come down to and how much sense Purdue actually would make. Uh, I mean, you see this fundamentally changing college basketball. Without NIL, Trace Jackson Davis is gone last year. Hunter Dickinson's gone. 
not just last year, but this year. Um, you know, Kofi Coburn probably would have left Illinois. This is Purdue's chance to maybe benefit from, you know, this new world order in, in college basketball. Excuse me, Tom, when you look at the Purdue in football, Hudson Card, there was, don't know exactly what the NIL was a part of his, as we understand it, his process of choosing Purdue. Football, a very different animal. And, and what's your sense, even as much as you talk to not only recruiting, but just watching the portal where Purdue is and how, you know, there's a lot of challenges to go with this for for in football when you got to deal with 25 or so scholarship guys a year if, and plus or minus the transfer portal guys. It's a very different situation in football than it is in basketball, it appears. I mean, I, I, think, I think everybody wants money, Alan. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Football player, basketball player. No question. I think everybody wants money. Um, There's obviously more football players and the dynamics different, but um, – yeah, you know, uh, we've seen Purdue players, football players, you know, be involved with some, with some work with the Boilermaker Alliance here in the off season. Actually, beginning in December, they had an autograph session at the Tippecanoe New Mall. Several players did, and and again, we've seen some others involved here sporadically throughout the winter and spring. So, um, yeah, I think uh, it, it's all still a work in progress. Uh, now, we all know Ryan Walters is full steam ahead with this. I think he understands. You know, he's a young coach, 37 years old. He knows the importance of having a good collective, having a good NIL program. And, uh, again, he, he's willing to embrace it and, and help help make uh, make it happen for Purdue because he understands the need to have that, a good NIL setup if you want to cultivate a good roster. So, um, and, and, and Purdue still – you know, despite maybe having one of the more ro- not having a real robust collective at this point, you know, is has brought in, um, you know, I think sixteen or seventeen transfers right now. The the scholarship count's getting uh, pretty close to the ceiling, by my yeah. estimations, according to the the chart I keep on the website, pinned to the message board. Uh, I've got Purdue at eighty two scholarships right now, and uh, we, we saw some attrition this week with Jacob Wahlberg going in the portal, obviously. Uh, and Brady Allen as well. So, um, yeah, there's still some positional needs for the Boilermakers. I think they're going to look to the portal. Um, in my in my estimation, I think that they could still use an offensive tackle. Um, Breaking still, news, pretty needs an offensive tackle. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think, you know, we could see some more help at cornerback coming possibly. Um, that's another spot that's really been overhauled this offseason, guys. The offensive line and the secondary have been the two biggest areas where Purdue's really hit the portal the most. So, again, offensive tackle, cornerback, uh, if they could find a linebacker who plays inside linebacker, I'm sure they could take him. That, that may be an issue at this point as well. So uh, those are probably the biggest areas, the, the two positions, I think, or three positions that could still use some augmentation for Purdue. And just remember this, it's still a long way from – yeah. May 18th or whatever this is, May 19th, May 20th until September 2nd when the Boilermakers kick off. So a lot of things can happen over the course of the summer. You guys have watched Purdue football for a long time, and you guys have seen this roster change and add players during the course of the summer that have, have turned out to be impactful guys. Yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt more. you there, Tom, but it, yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of funny that like every year since like 2005, ever since the yeah. transfer came along, <laughs> Purdue needs an offensive tackle off the transfer yeah. market. Every year, but that's not just that's not just a you know something that reflects on Purdue's offensive line. 
recruiting and development, but it's also just the importance of the offensive tackle position in football, period. Yeah. Look at, um, and Purdue's, Purdue's lost three linemen that probably would have started this year from, from the point. Right. It started with Spencer Holstead way back in December. Of course, he's a guard. They lost another guard, yeah. Finau. And then, of course, the Eric Miller transfer after spring football. Of course, he was, he was a tackle. So right now you're looking at Muhammad Musa as being a tackle that's going to start for you, right? Then after that, I think it gets a little dicey. Daniel Johnson could be a projected starter. He's coming off a knee injury. Uh, maybe one of these transfers. I think Ben Farrell, the, the Indiana Wesleyan kid, could get a look at tackle as well. You know, Marcus Bowe, if need be, could swing out and play tackle. But they, I think the feeling is he's better on the interior. So I tell you what, that offensive tackle spot in my mind uh, – just leaves uh, – I just think there's some questions that need to be answered there. I think the interior is strong, but, again, the edge is there on that pretty offensive line. They're watching here moving forward. Yeah. How in the heck they're going to – I mean, you really are not going to be able to tell the players without a program even more this year than than that's ever been the case at, at just about everywhere. I mean, it's – how the heck – yeah, and, go ahead, Tom. And then here, too, remember, they had the junior college offensive tackle committed, the Isaiah Walker kid, about three weeks ago. He, he put out that he, he's not going to come to Purdue. So that was a the guy they were counting on to play offensive tackle as well. So um, you could kind of throw him into the player's lost column if you wanted to for Purdue as well at tackle. Yeah, yeah. You gotta, you're going to have some really uh, quick quick guys are going to need to be quick studies, but also with the ability to get that uh, camaraderie or whatever it's going to take to have a cohesive unit is going to be fascinating to see, not just at Purdue. There's a lot of other places that are – that are somewhere between Purdue and Colorado and everybody else. Uh, there's uh, going to be a lot of uh, a lot of shaking going on to be able to fix some of that stuff. I think we are due for this. Is completely off the topic, but that's what I'm here for. Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, completely taking these things off the rails. Um, I think we are at on the verge of an all-time golden era for wars between football programs and their admissions departments, uh, because this can't be a simple deal. You know, this can't be a. Uh, you just saw what happened with Caleb Love at Michigan. Yeah, what happened? I mean, but I know. I mean, yeah. They just, How does they, that happen? He just didn't have enough credits to get into Michigan. The same thing happened last year, I think, with Terrence Shannon. Yeah. Um, a lot of these schools, a lot of these good academic schools, or uh, uh, serious academic schools, I should say, <laughs> both uh, are yeah. going to have to, you know, figure some things out in terms of uh their admissions processes because it can't be easy stanford you have no chance uh if you can't get transfers in school northwestern notre dame michigan has shown us in basketball two years in a row now that it's not just it's not just picking apples off trees here guys it's you know these and that that should be a cautionary tale too for some of these athletes kind of coming into college you know get your schoolwork done because if you want to exercise this flexibility you now have in your career, mm-hmm. you never know what's going to happen. You never know how many credits you're going to need. You never know what sort of progress toward a degree um, quotient you're going to need. It's just going to be a very complicated time for getting kids in school. Yeah, Sorry, I, that was completely. No, no, we need a little point. hijacking. But the, I, the, the Caleb Love deals, it's amazing to me is you still. Yeah. Like whoever would have thought Michigan couldn't get an athlete in the school. Yeah. Whoever would have thought Michigan couldn't get a basketball player into the school that it really wanted. 
Uh, it's Especially just, from that, a good academic school like North Carolina, I mean, but he just. But how could they? How, my well, question pro- is, provided he had credits. I mean, yeah, that's, that's right. And that, well, I, and I understand North Carolina has had its issues academically. I get it, but but my whole thing is, how does that? Ha- how do you have a week window, a one week window where the guy commits and then he finds out he can't get in? That's why wouldn't why wouldn't Caleb Love or somebody have figured out before he goes public? Hey, can this guy get in school? Well, why that, would that? That's my that? question. Well, there's probably a process involved for admissions yeah. in terms of going through everything and certifying and classes and yeah. all of that stuff. And um, well, now Caleb loves it's on the market. Not like the yeah. good old days when No Joe Eastern could just announce he was committed to Michigan before he even talked to Michigan or whatever <laughs> it might be. Um, <laughs> but I, I suppose that's what Caleb Love did. He announced his commitment before he was admitted. Yeah, but, I, I mean, I, I, I don't think that's anything all that out of the ordinary is if yeah. Michigan offers you a scholarship, you know, there's an unspoken, it's con- there's it's an unspoken, right. I mean, there it's, yeah, it's contingent, uh, yeah. you gotta be able to get in. but that contingency is always the fine print. It's, yeah. well, it's, 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 it's the same deal. When you matters. get kids, you, you commit, get kids to commit. They got to, they still have to get into school and that's not usually a big deal, but uh that part of it is uh, the last when, when's the last time a recruit didn't get into school because of academics well you don't hear about them a lot of times yeah, yeah. it, it yeah. gets laundered nowadays it, it, yeah. it, 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 becomes, a, it becomes a decommitment it becomes a <laughs> yeah. the kid just doesn't show up i mean it's yeah and you know we have in football nowadays there's so there's so little transparency going on that a kid just doesn't show up and, yeah <laughs> whoop he, he's just not up. here <laughs> okay yeah. um yeah. darn this thing he just never yeah. well and i think sometimes too it's there also is a definitely a difference between a kid coming in as a freshman and, and a kid i don't know what I don't know how many years had love been in college it's two three and uh four, uh right four well this would be it's right it'd be his fourth year so that that situation where you know you got to have progress and all that stuff and it uh it uh, is a it is a challenge, I guess, but still, you're right. It's a very strange uh, situation for Michigan, and and I'm sure it'll happen. You know, like you said, it's a show. yeah. But you have guys that uh, uh, don't get in for one reason or another, and it uh, and that one's a certainly a high profile one. I want to switch topics to um, stadium renovation, and and of course, uh, Tom Dean, Tom talked to uh, Mike Vinsky this week. It appears Purdue is on schedule, and yeah. it's and uh, that's a good thing. But boy, you go look at that thing; it's a daunting task to think you got to dig a tunnel, and there's still a lot of work. I understand it's only the it's portal. only May the May the twentieth. There's a portal coming. It's a portal. Uh, it's a big portal. portal. Uh, not a tunnel. It's a portal. But your your inclination from uh, where where Mike Kavinsky sits is that uh, it's all going to get done come hell or high water. Yeah, we could call it the Dwayne Purpose Portal. I like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, he told me all systems go, everything's on schedule, guys. The forty-five million dollar renovation. Um, you know, shovels went in the ground the moment Purdue's home season concluded last fall, <laughs> and you guys have driven by it. I know I have, and you see the cranes and the the whirl of activity. I think the tunnel's built already, or at least bored, I should say. Yeah, you know they're not sure if the interior of the tunnel, the graphics. Are gonna, I think they really want a nice, cool graphic element to the interior of that tunnel. It's going to maybe have moving images and lights. It's going to be. I think they want to, and I think they have some serious ambitions 
Whether they can afford all that is to be determined, but I think they have a cool vision for what the inside of that tunnel could look like. But again, that may not be ready. No big deal there, right? We knew the nutrition and dining facility and the Northeast parking part of the parking lot is not going to be ready to be used, you know, this fall. That was always a known. Uh, at this point, Mabinski said on, I think, July of 2024, they expect that facility to be functional. Uh, again, the structure may be done this fall, but I guess there's a long lead time to obtain the equipment and some of the necessary uh, other gadgets to, to really fill out um, that that facility that, that, that that's going to cause for the delay in the opening there. So then there's the south end zone, probably the most elaborate of all, right? And uh, so, yeah, all systems go, guys. Uh, and I know that I guess there was some talk where, you know, if there, are there any contingency plans? If this thing isn't done by September 2nd for the Fresno State game. Curtains. Mike, Mike Bobinski told me that, you know, if for some reason this thing isn't done, they would just play in a compromised Ross Aid Stadium for a game or two, mm. you know, cordon off the south end zone, do whatever. I, I just think logistically, from, from what I hear, logistically to move games to Indianapolis. Oh, it'd be a nightmare. This would be a nightmare. So, Obviously, anytime you, you you have an endeavor like this, you always have contingency plans, right? You, you have to. You never know what's going to happen in the world. Um, but again, it looks like everything's on schedule. I'm sure the construction people, the companies have some big incentives to meet monetarily if they hit them. They're their timelines. But again, uh, it's going to be a pretty neat incarnation of Ross Aid Stadium for all of us to see, guys. I'm really eager to see the South End Zone in particular. And the fact that you're not going to be able to walk the entire, um, you know, outer corridor of Ross Aid Stadium is going to be sort of a neat, uh, neat addition as well. Yeah, and they have what five of six, what four of their first five weekends are at home this year, right? A lot of so home games, man. Yeah, you know September. what, you guys, this month, maybe, maybe next week, we should start hearing some of the start times and whatnot for these early season games. We've seen a couple trickle out for other teams. Right. I saw yeah, that's something for everybody to keep on their radar. Uh, again, the, we should get some start times and, and probably some networks for these early September uh, Purdue football games this month. Yeah, we know that the Friday, September 22nd, Purdue will play Wisconsin at home. Yeah. Uh, that's one of those home games, right? It's they've got uh, Fresno. They've got uh, Syracuse, uh, Syracuse Illinois, Wisconsin, Illinois. Illinois. Illinois the last one. Yeah, Illinois is homecoming on September yeah. 29th or September 30th, whatever that uh, date is. Uh, another September. Yeah, so you got uh, a lot of interesting stuff going on, uh, certainly with that. Uh, Brian, why Brian is moving? I think he's sorting his baseball cards while he's going on, but that's what he's still great multitasker. Is that what you're, are you just, are you just dialing some another stuff? I'm just, well. uh, <laughs> I don't sit still very well right now. I, so I get I'm just, I, I, I apologize I guess. if I'm, I'm distracted. No, 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 hey, no, hey no, Ryan, who, 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 who's the one player? Who's the one common guy you got in every pack of cards you opened up as a kid? Oh, I got another Clay Carroll. What the heck? Uh, Don Sutton, maybe. Hey, I shouldn't have. Uh, Bill Naharadney. I got, I got another Bill Naharadney. Dang. A quick point to make about the stadium. I. It, it, it's a really big deal that that thing is being named for Joe Tiller to the you know yeah, yeah, produce yeah, football yeah. alums. I shouldn't have made fun of it being called the portal. And my urge to 
make fun of the word portal just kind of took over there. Um, <laughs> but it, yeah, it's amazing to me how these schools pull off these projects. And obviously, obviously these construction companies pull off these projects on deadline. You know, it, it's, if, if I were an AD, if I were a university president, whatever, I would be horrified. Yeah. Uh, about, because you just don't know what's going to happen. You just don't know what's going to happen with the weather. You just don't know what's going to happen with random objects flying out of the sky. You know, you just don't know what's going to, what you're going to find when you start to dig, uh, you know, it's, uh, um, it is amazing to me that, you know, th these schools are able to get these projects done in such short periods of time. Purdue obviously got no help in the schedule either with all those home games, uh, early in the season. Um, but but they did get help with it with a pretty dang mild winter around here and that, that i don't know how much that impacted yeah the project. yeah uh, that was a good thing but that is a good point had yeah, but i don't know those... i don't know how much it truly i i don't know exactly you know how much it really impacted and the other thing about the tiller title and you're right it's a it is a big deal to, to players of that era it's certainly i know kelly kitchell and, and many drew Brees obviously had a on the produce day of getting giving the last week of april uh they had a matching fund i don't know how i don't know if you got either one of you guys know how much they raised but I, I asked i asked and, and mike was not sure at this point but i do know they did do some good for that and it's very that's a very impassioned project for for that group the the Chucky Acobis and the and the Brandon Gorans and the Drew Breeses, obviously, uh, and many others. Uh, it is a big deal because there was a lot of talk, you know, about when Tiller, when not only was Joe leave this earth too early, but he also, you know, what were we going to do to really make a big deal? I know they named the they named the, the street at the north end of the stadium, uh, Joe Tiller Drive or Avenue or whatever it is. But uh, I really am glad just because I think it is a it is a nod to your tradition, but also the, a very special time and a lot of great as all of us have had the opportunity to be around a lot of these guys over the years. Uh, some really fabled names, un, not just Drew Brees. I mean, the, the Jason Lorenzels of the world, some unique characters, and uh, they meant a lot, meant the world to the Purdue football program. That is for sure. So that would, that will be an interesting. Uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see how they. I'm uh, interesting. I saw some of the graphics. I didn't know about the lights. It's going to be interesting to see what they put together there with that. Brian, well, I wanted to well, go ahead, Brian. They want to make that a big recruiting thing too. I would oh, imagine. Yeah, they um, yeah, yeah. do. They do. Everything everybody does nowadays, uh, and this is sort of. I don't want to say this is the James Franklin effect because a lot of coaches think this way. Is everything you do with your program has to have something to do with impacting recruiting? Yeah. Um, because it's it's just it's just so important. They're the reason, you know, Penn State has an awesome football program, an awesome facility awesome facilities but probably the worst press box in the big 10 uh at least the last time i was there was going to change though right they're going to every dollar they every dollar they spend on football franklin has wanted dedicated to recruiting uh which well, is you know that's that's sort of the, the name of the game nowadays to answer tom's other question i just put some more thought into it tony armis hey i, I love the <laughs> afro the big mustache i from love all, an all-time great an all-time great facial hair team with the mid-1980s Boston Red Sox. You had your your Dwight oh, Evans, your Jim Rice, your Wade Boggs, your your uh uh I think Dennis Eckersley might have been there earlier in the 80s. You mm -hmm. had some great mustaches on that team. Oh yeah, and Eckersley was Tony there. Tony Armas was very much one of them. 
Eckersley got hey, traded wait, in the Cubs hey, hey, before. Hey, 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 but back, once back. again, completely car bomb our podcast. Yeah, that's part back, of the game, my friend. Back to recruiting, though. George Foster? Oh, Sideburns? Yeah. He was on the Red Sox. Yeah, but not much facial ever. Yeah, he was. Go I ahead. don't know. He, 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 he had, the, they had Cecil Cooper for a while. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and Eckersley was there until he got traded to the Cubs in 84, right? So I was like George, like George Scott with a hard helmet at first base. But yeah. hey, 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 Brian, now the real smart coaches don't spend money on facilities. They spend it on their NIL. Well, and that's you know what, hey, Brian, you can sort have, of the great conflict going you on can right have, now. You can have your flashy tunnel. The players want cash. Correct. Want and that's cash. where things are fundamentally going to change now is you're, as I think Ryan Walter said on the radio a few weeks ago, talk to your boosters about helping the collective, not, you know, building us facilities anymore. I think your money's better spent in the collective than putting it in absolutely. a fancy absolutely. barber shop uh, or water fountain or, I mean, I, again, you, you, these, these college facilities are better than the NFL facilities. Why? The NFL facilities got, they got payrolls to meet. And that's where, you know, some of, <laughs> some of the, some of the hypocrisy really lied in, the past couple of generations where people who just didn't want the players having money, you know, would say, Oh, we build them all, all these nice facilities to help develop them as players and to make their lives more comfortable. When in reality, all those facilities were there to recruit the next guys, yeah. not to develop the current guys. Um, yeah. You don't need a gigantic weight room. You don't need all these hot and cold. To, you need a minimal amount of stuff. It's like a car. You don't need the $70,000 Lincoln Navigator. You can take the Honda Accord to pay less just as well. Uh, they're, they're yeah, just, I think it's going to slow the down. Excess, the excess is too much. Just too much. Yeah. I, I think do think some of this stuff from, from, from an efficiency perspective makes some sense, but that doesn't sure. mean there have to be all the bells and whistles. Yeah, you don't need all that, no. Um, yeah. Well, they've got them now, and I think it will slow it down. However, you know, one thing that's interesting, maybe an apples and oranges comparison, but you look at these NBA, and I've been in a couple of these NBA training facilities, I understand you're only talking about 12 players, but the, the money they put into those things are, I mean, again, 12 versus a full roster, but it's, right. it is but crazy what they do, and they do it to they're attract They're also, they're all, I mean, you know, in the NBA, you're also still trying to attract free agents. You're trying to retain right. your free that's, agents. That's, that's my point. You also have recruiting. corporate sponsorships who are underwriting a lot of that stuff, have right. naming rights on some of those things. Uh, right. It's, so about, it's about it's kind of the same, but it's it's also kind of different. Yeah, there's there's some similarities, but I, mean, I don't I, think I, I, I think I, you're right. I think it will slow down, but I do think that the great conundrum it'll also will be a, a question that we'll have five years from now depending on what happens with NIL too, is if it does switch all over, because one thing that John Purdue club and other, other things do is fund scholarships and they spend a ton of money doing that. And it will be interesting to see. I, I'm not predicting that it's all going to transfer over to the, to Boilermaker alliances of the world, but it is going to be interesting to see how that world changes if it does. Um, and again, bottom you know, Bottom line is, if if you don't fund these 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 teams, you, you you're not going to be any good. Yeah, you can yeah. do whatever you want. It's it's that simple. Yeah, and you have to have. And again, this is it, what I have said about this whole thing all along is it's going to be interesting to see just where this is in five years, or where we you know where does this all uh, shake out to a level that uh, that there are some guardrails and other things that uh, 
that uh, make it make it uh, navigable by for coaches and teams and players, et cetera. But we're not uh, there uh, yet. I I just I mean I, I've I've gone off on this tangent many times over the last few months, but I don't see where guardrails come from. Like yeah. the NCAA can't do anything. The NCAA can't say no to anyone. Um, right. They can't enforce any of this legal, stuff. I don't even think they're going to try to enforce this stuff. What's going on in my ear? Uh, they need the federal government to step in. No, what lawmaker is going to take on this problem? Aside from if there's somebody whose state school might be affected that might be winning politics in their state, fine. But is there any more un-American cause than trying to hold back the earnings of somebody in a free market country? It's just. Right. Unless you get. Unless this you is get capitalism at its finest, folks. I mean, this is. Unless you get into collective bargaining is, and changes. And that will change. Well, that, you would have to term them as employees and then no, you open up I a whole other can of worms about benefits and. I think that's and all sorts of other stuff. Um, Quit dancing around all this, giving money people these bizarre ways to these collectives and just make them employees. Well, know? this very easily sure. could have been the best thing that ever sure. happened to the NCAA. But they just they they just fought it and fought it and fought it and didn't embrace what was what was clearly coming. And this could have been expense offloaded for them. This could have solved all their all their revenue sharing problems had they just embraced it and come up with this on their own with some guardrails in place. Uh, the fact that it got to state lawmakers and federal lawmakers is is it got it got to the Supreme Court. It got to that's the Supreme got, Court. Yeah, that's and, where the, that's where the game was won and lost. Is that it's, yes. it can't? You're right. You're right. They can't go back because there there's nothing to restrict. The, Nothing right now that allows them to restrict any level of trade, so to speak, or their ability to make money. And that's this that's could, very easily could have all changed for the better with with like Jeremy Bloom. Remember yeah. the skier from Colorado yeah. who's yeah. on the football team yeah. who couldn't earn money from his skiing because he was an NCAA football player. If the NCAA had just come out then and said, "Okay, student athletes can can make money off their name, image, and likeness," up to a point, but you cannot recruit with it and this was at a point in time when like you could have actually oh enforced God. your rules um before you, you lost a thousand times in court and had all of your power taken away basically uh had they just done that you never would have run into all of this all of all the O'Bannon stuff uh most likely and you just could have gotten ahead of this you could have been a healthier game you could have um you could have actually looked like the good guy for once instead of the incompetent bad guy, which has basically been the NCAA's identity for for the longest time to a lot of people who are not involved in the NCAA. And uh, it's just it's it's everything that's happening, you know, could have been sidestepped, not complete the, the chaos of today. Competitively wouldn't be completely uh, averted because you would have given something on the front end and something inevitably becomes more, 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 more. And you would have reached a point where, you know, the restrictions probably would have had to be lifted. But um, I do think that had you just had some foresight in the, in, in the nineties 
in the early 2000s, whatever it might be, or the, the self-awareness enough to know that your model was not sustainable uh, long-term, this could have been very different. And Mr. Diener, do you have anything else you want to add to that? Or in, in summation, <laughs> it's, you're right, it is, it is the way it is. And uh, we do, uh, it's been trying to uh, solve it and, you, and there, may, there may not be any real, we just time will solve it over, over time. Something will, will evolve. But I just can't believe this has gotten to the point. We were talking about this at lunch. I just can't believe this has gotten to the point where, where boosters are organizing <laughs> above board raising money to give to the athletes like this was this was like jerry tarkanian's greatest dream this was like <laughs> dale brown's greatest dream i don't know if dale brown's still alive or not so i apologize alive. to him if i'm slandering his good still name alive. but is he still um, alive he's still alive yeah no i i hope he's not watching jerry um, tarkanian is not though right so we know true story true story about jerry tarkanian okay uh it's in the 90s. I, don't, I have no idea what year. Kenny Lowe is playing in an all-star game at Benton Central, okay, in the middle of a cornfield. Of all places, they have this all-star game, this, this like, Illinois versus Indiana uh, all-star game at Benton Central, of all places. And there's a player named Leon Smith back in the day from Chicago who reminded me very much of – Raymond from White Men Can't Jump. Yeah. I'm gonna get my other gun. No, no, yeah. this ain't Raymond. Anyway, uh so Leon Smith's playing in this game. Fresno State's recruiting him at the time. I'm sitting in the crowd at Fresno State. Who comes and sits next to me? Jerry Tarkanian. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I'm this this like 22-year-old kid sitting there. And of course, right as, as soon as the game ended, Jerry Tarkanian walks down into the into the locker room following the players, which I, I don't know if that was legal or not at that point in the calendar. And two days later, Leon Smith commits to Fresno State. And I, I don't know if he ever played a game because he was, <laughs> he uh, had some well-documented issues. Jerry Tarkanian. Not what he came to get. Yeah, Dale Brown, 88 years old. Gene Cady will turn 87 on Sunday, by the way. So... Happy birthday to Gene, and uh, it's a happy one for him because he's going into the Hall of Fame, and uh, that's a good thing. All right, we're going to put stick a fork in this thing and say uh, good day to all of you. Thank you all for watching and listening, and uh, we appreciate uh, that very much. We want to make sure you uh, – still deals going on to subscribe to goldenblack.com. You can also – like us on YouTube. You can become a, you can join us on YouTube as well. And we appreciate all the people that do that. I too. believe so, the preferred nomenclature is smash that like button. Smash. That's what that I hear like every button. other podcaster say. You I know. Don't press I'm, it. You smash it. We could use that too. And uh, if we were, if I was a little bit more hip, I'd be ready. Now, to I, need, go now I need a new computer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. I want to thank the Union Club Hotel, also 811 Bistro, Boiler Up Bar, and we appreciate them. We'll be back. Uh, it's the summer, so we're maybe we'll be doing these periodically. There'll be a lot of uh, in June uh, football camps coming in. But Brian will be back out on the road in July with basketball and doing some of them in June too with the Indiana 
uh, all-star basketball too. So a lot to look forward to on goldenblack.com. Thank you all for watching and, and uh, have a great rest of your weekend. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.